I'm your host, Chris Young, and I'll be chatting with all kinds of folk, highlighting the experience of people with mental health problems, many of whom feel on the edge of society as I walk around the edge of the UK over the next couple of years. Following the steps of a hero of mine, Satish Kumar, a Jain monk who went on a peace march in the 1960s, I'll be taking no money with me. His guru felt that if he did, he'd lack the motivation to speak with people at the end of the day, and the only people that he'd meet would be hoteliers. I thought if this amazing man could walk from India into Pakistan, expect and receive wonderful hospitality when the two countries were at war, then I should expect nothing less from the people on this beautiful island of ours. So far, I've walked the 4,000 or so miles anti-clockwise from Edinburgh to North Wales, and the people I've met, without exception, have been fabulous. Oh, I nearly forgot to mention, I have a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, a severe and enduring mental health problem which, although it curtails me, doesn't define me. But this isn't a story about me. This is about all those fabulous people I'll be meeting as I go. I'm inviting you to be part of the story. We're told we've become a more divided nation in recent years, and I'm here to prove that wrong. Join me. I'd love to hear and share your story. Help me on my journey as we challenge mental health stigma, one conversation at a time. You can call me on 07535035909, that's 07535035909, or email me at hello at letswalkamile.org, that's hello at letswalkamile.org, or follow me on Twitter at walkamileuk. In this episode, I talk with the delightful Simeon, a man with spina bifida, asking, among other things, is he disabled or is it society that's disabling? Chris, this is the third uh, Walk a Mile in My Shoes podcast. Um, today uh, I'm talking to Simeon, and you'll find out who Simeon is as the conversation goes. Hello, Simeon. Hello. Uh, welcome. Uh, Actually, what am I talking about? Welcome. welcome. Thank you. Welcome to my house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've come to visit Simeon. That's uh, yeah, good. So I'm, I'm just going to be grilling you as we, we go along and you can tell me all, all about our conversations That's in the past. Um, how do I know you? How do you know me? Um, uh, well, we've known each other for two or three years now. Good Lord, is it that long? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I knew you, well, obviously, we knew you way before the event, um, which I'll explain in a sec. Um it was social media. I think we was it Twitter? Yeah, it was. It was. Well, it was Twitter. I don't think you were on Facebook at that. Yeah, yeah, point. yeah. Um, no Twitter, and I think either I can't remember if it was you or me messaged each other, and we just started talking. Yeah, yeah. And then we chatted on the phone for a couple mm. of hours, and yeah, yeah, and then we just did that, and. Then we met about a year and a half ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then we've just been chatting on just on the phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm still gobsmacked we've only met once. That's, yeah. uh, that's very strange. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to big it up and try and make it out that we'd actually met twice, but um, but I'm an <laughs> idiot. Um, so, describe yourself. 
um, describe myself, what, in the... In whatever in, sense you want to guess, describe yourself. Um, to, the, to the eyes of the public, I'm a disabled person. Right. To uh, me, I'm a human being. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Um, uh, in the eyes of the public, I have a condition called spina bifida. Yeah. Uh, which is a disability that I was born with. Um, and as the name suggests, I um, it's to do with my spine. So uh, when I was 24 hours old, oh, 48 hours old, the uh, doctors had to do an operation to close a gap in my spine. Right. The bottom of my spine, which trapped some nerves in my back. And so I'm paralysed from... My waist down. Okay. okay. So I can't feel below my... I can't feel my legs. Now, I also have hydrocephalus, which is to do with the cerebral spinal fluid in your brain. For somebody without hydrocephalus, the uh, spinal... uh, The cerebral spinal fluid can get absorbed into your bloodstream. Okay. Whereas for me, it can't, so I have to have a special device called a shunt, right. which is a pla- basically, basically it's a plastic dome with a tube which drains the fluid down my neck and into my stomach. And you can probably see a little bit of the tube. Oh, I can right just see it. There. Yeah, yeah. And it goes, and it starts there. Um, and it's actually thanks to a famous author that we have the shunt today. Waldau. Who was that? Waldau. If it wasn't for Waldau, really? we wouldn't have a shunt. True fact. His, his, it was either his son or his, one of, somebody in his family had hydrocephalus. Right, right. And there were, and yeah, so he created a shunt. So he, he it, was, it took somebody with imagination to it, think. It, it, it did. And right, right. It was thanks to, it's thanks to him that, that I get a shunt. So, um, yeah. That's crazy. That yeah. really is nuts. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you, yeah. So that's how I describe myself, um, a human being. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was one of the things that sort of stood out for me about you when we first started talking. It, I think it was around about the time of the Paralympics. Yes, and it, we we were being sold this story of uh, superhumans. Yeah, which was which one was that? Was that the twenty twelve or the twenty sixteen? Because both yeah, it must have been twenty sixteen. I don't yeah. think that, yeah, I don't no. think we've known each other for that. No, twenty sixteen was um, yeah, um, yeah, the Paralympics twenty sixteen. That was an interesting two weeks for many reasons. Yeah. Um, Brazil probably, I think for any country to have to host the Paralympics after such an amazing games that we hosted in 2012 yeah. was going to be difficult. I think for Brazil... May have been a little bit more right, of right. a challenge financially. Of course, they uh, they don't um, take disability sports 
seriously. Right. You think right. if you if you think the UK doesn't go to Brazil, go to Brazil because yeah. they spend most of their money. In fact, ninety five percent of the budget on the on the Olympics and only five percent on the Paralympics. Gosh, right. Um, and yeah, so it was. So. The thing that stood out for me was mm. that, you know, everybody's going around saying people are superhumans and uh, you you soon put me right on that. Yeah, I think, okay, firstly, I get why they, why superhumans was talked about. I totally get, I just don't see why... We have to put a label on everything. Now, it's interesting because even before we are born, we are given labels. Yeah, yeah. Son, brother, cousin, which are harmless. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's say, let's just add physically impaired, disabled, which are basically stating the facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these labels that we're given, they start our personality, they start the characteristics that make us who we are. Okay. Being called disabled or... And this is what I say when I go into schools and I do my talks and stuff. It's basically... On my birth certificate, under Christian name, it says Simeon. Yes. And the middle name, it says Isaac. Under surname, it says Wakely. Right. Nowhere on the birth certificate does it say disabled, right. physically right. impaired. It's today's society that creates these labels that say that because we're in we're in a time where we have to categorize everybody. Yes, yeah, yeah. And we've said it on the phone many times. Brexit is not going to help. It's well, going to it's going to whatever you say and this is I think this is where yeah. the minister for disability was going was we're going to be categorizing everybody even more than what we are and we're going to be putting even more labels on everybody. Right, right. It's not just disabled people, but I think disabled people get the worst. The the thing uh, they were talking about uh, people with a disability being superhumans, mm-hmm. and I remember you saying to me, "I'm a human." <laughs> I'm a human being. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing special about having a disability. Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not. I haven't got jet backs on my wheelchair. I don't have. Have you taken them off? Yeah, just for you. Okay, I mean, that's I cool. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't want people presuming. No, no. Um. Yeah, and I don't have. I don't have daggers in my wheels, or I don't have. There's nothing superhuman about me. Yeah. I work. Yes. I play sports. I play computer games. Yeah. Can you tell me what's superhuman about that, please? Well, there's the, the there's the, um, but you're an inspiration. 
I'm just getting on with my life. <laughs> I'm just thinking about yes. you, somebody yes, calling bus, you an inspiration the, the other bus, day. The bus, the bus, yes. The bus, the bus. Oh, don't you just love the bus. <laughs> yeah. There's the, the amount of weird comments that I get. We could sit here for yeah. hours. And we, ha- we have. We sat here hours on the phone talking about the comments. Just... Which are just ridiculous because the intention of these comments and it's the intention of the the label superhuman. I get it's meant to be positive. Yeah. And the comments that I get, oh, you're an inspiration or you, you're so, uh, you're so brave. They're meant to be positive. Mm. But in a funny way, they're not. They're, they're demining. Yeah, yeah. And they're patronising. That's the only way I could describe it, is it? It's patronising. Yeah. It's, I don't know, I think... Yeah, and I think it's just... Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just crazy. It's just... Yeah. So... The, the the situation was somebody came up to you on the bus and and said you're inspirational. It's not just for being one. It's not one case. It's all right. Most times right. I get on the bus or I or I go shopping or yeah. I'm just reading up a street. Yeah, and I don't want to stereotype the person but it's usually an older generation person um who um thinks he's he or she is just being friendly and it's usually because they don't know what else to say so what 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 comments have you been you experienced uh your inspiration um how can you push yourself up this hill, um, you name it, I've had it. Um, right, you were saying uh, to me uh, a little while ago that, that some some folk were saying, oh, do you want to race? And things like yeah, that. Yeah, but, okay, with that, it's weird because it's yeah. mainly actually wheelchair users. But again, right. it's the older generation. Yeah, yeah. Who own wheelchairs, who... And some of them I get, and I and I and there were days when I know, or there were certain people who I know, who were just saying it as a joke, and it's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Because I, yeah. you know, I can have a laugh with them, and it's all fine. But then there were some people who are saying it as a joke, but it's. The, but they say it that makes me feel uncomfortable. Sure, sure. And it cringe, basically. Yeah. It's very cringy and very awkward. It, it almost sounds like they're treating you like a child. Do you want a race? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's people who are... Yeah, it's... But then there were some people who said, 
for a joke. And I know they're joking and it's absolutely fine because mm. they say it in a way where it's meant as a joke. Mm. And not, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense at all. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, it's just, it, yeah, it's, I'm just a human being. Yes. <laughs> So you, you were saying you experimented with somebody on the bus by yeah. saying to them that they were an inspiration. Yeah, so I went. I was bored one time. Um, you thought you'd torture somebody, and I thought, I know what I do. What com- What's the most common cre- uh, comment that I get, which is usually your inspiration. Yeah. So I um, thought. Okay. I'll I'll see if what people react if I was to say it. Good, good. Um. So I did. I it was um. It was a gentleman, uh, probably in his thirties. Uh, he had what, a couple of kids with him. Right, right. Um, and I said it, and. Obviously, him looking a bit... He looked at you and thought... He looked a bit cr- like I was crazy. Um, <laughs> and What are you talking about? What, I, what, what the heck am I talking about? And yeah, I was like... Yeah. And then I explained to him why I did it. Yeah, yeah. And he laughed and we had a bit of a joke. And then he asked me questions about my disability. And... We started talking and, like, he was asking what other comments do I usually get. Yeah, yeah. And actually, he was a really nice guy. So it was a brilliant way in to, to, have, a, to way a conversation. have a conversation. Yeah. And I feel that there were some disabled people who are... Very reluctant to talk about disability issues because they're still coping or they're still figuring out their disability and they're yeah. still hurt about about having a disability. So, yeah, it's just... Well, they're sort of lost in a world of if only. If Yeah, exactly. And so... If somebody was to ask them about their disability, they'd probably be quite upset or reluctant and get quite annoyed with that person. And so because of... And I think because people have that experience, sometimes have that experience, they then shut off and, you know, don't want to talk to people they don't they get nervous or embarrassed to ask somebody else so they so they just say oh forget about it forget it so you think it's down to embarrassment do you totally think it's down to embarrassment I think all the we've got into a society where for whatever reason Brits don't like causing uh, no Brits don't 
like to offend people. So, yeah, yeah, so, I, 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 I'd, I'd agree with that, you know. We have got to the point where we can't ask questions just in case it offends people. Sure. And, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, and please do not hate me for saying this. But it's like, you know I, I hate you anyway. I'm, I'm just doing exactly, this. So to, just, exactly. Sorry, carry on, carry on. Exactly. <laughs> this is where I think Piers Morgan may be right a little bit, in the sense... <coughs> exactly. I'm, I'm sorry? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, I know. But he, he has said on a number of occasions that, you know, we needed talk about these issues. Right. And he says, obviously that I disagree with him on a lot of things. Yeah. A number of things, especially when he tells people to man up. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. stuff, I think it's just crazy. However, he also talks about how we need to stop being so politically correct and we need to stop feeling like we're offending people and just ask questions. Just have the conversation. And have the conversation. And I think he's right in that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the only thing he's right in. (laughs) But I think he's right in that. I think we do need to have conversations and we do need to, you know, we do need to talk about these issues. With um, political correctness, I remember I first stumbled across the actual phrase when I was doing my... Masters, masters in social work yeah. at uh, Edinburgh University and I'd never heard it before I didn't know what it meant and no. for me political correctness means uh, respect and that's all but but mm-hmm. over, over the years it seems to have taken on some other guys that it seems to be something yeah. that actually gets in the way of of things what, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's still to do with respect but I think it's I think people go confused with what respect is yeah yeah I think people got confused am I respecting him by asking this question am I respecting him if I don't ask the question it's knowing are we are we talking about offence people taking yeah. offence here yeah. yeah I think yeah, it is. It is, it is people get it's taking offence, and it's actually, am I respecting him or yeah. her by asking that question because I don't want to offend him right. or her? You know, it's just like, it's it is. So I think I think it is still to do with respect. However, I think people don't understand what respect is right anymore. It's got out of hand it really political correctness has got out of out of hand i think um i, I can only speak from my perspective I, I i'm concerned when people become offended on other people's behalf without actually asking yeah the person who, who should yeah. Who, yeah who who may have offense feel offended or not feel offended I, it's it's crazy cuz i i go into meetings where People are offended on my behalf, and I'm just like there thinking, so what? <laughs> what you are know? you talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah. This is like, this is 
This is this is compliments compared to what yeah, I get. Yeah. This is like this is not this is nothing to be worried about or scared about. I th- I think <clears throat> for me with with you know having mental health problems um often it's the least of my worries. Yeah. You know, if somebody might use the incorrect word uh, or they might stumble over something or they might say, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you're crazy, you're a loony. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I don't take offence no. at these things because the, the things, to my mind, that are far more offensive are structural, structural mm. um, sort of... Uh, Structural discrimination, where I, you know, I, I'll speak to people, and, and because I I lose a third of my time to dissociation, mm. I'm not able to work. I've I've spoken to recently spoke to somebody who works in human resources, and and I said, you know, a lot of the times I'm like this, and a lot of other time, a third of the time I'm crazy. Uh, would you employ me? And she said, of course not. No, I wouldn't dream of because you, 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 you know, we, we, we've got a production line here and, and, you know, we, we, I couldn't employ you. It's all to do the money. It's all to do the money. And I was, you know, that, 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 I found that gobsmacking, but, but also, you know, that in the, the supposed safety nets that are supposed to be in the way, in, in position for us to get through our lives, you know, that like the benefit system. Uh, like I don't know, supported employment, like you know, yeah, it. The world's inaccessible. <laughs> the, but it's not <clears throat> our disability or mental health that has made it inaccessible. Yeah, yeah. It's human beings. Yeah. That have made it inaccessible. For, for example, tell, tell us a little bit about what you you do. Um, I was thinking about the, the basketball and I was thinking yeah. about the mentorship. If you, you yeah, talk a little sure. bit about that. Um, so, yeah. Um, just very quickly, on your point about um, about um, being employed. Yeah. Now, the only reason why disabled people are not employed or people with mental health are not employed as much is because they can probably find somebody without a mental health or disability who can work, who can be more reliable and therefore gain more money. Or somebody they deem to be more reliable. Yeah, that's they deem, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because they've got no disability or they've got no mental health issue, they're more good, they're 100% going to be more reliable. Yeah. And yeah. actually... They could be completely unreliable. They could be late every day. They could have lines. They could forget to go to meetings. They could... Yeah, yeah. They could make excuses. But the assumption, because we have a label... Because we have the label, that's the thing, is because we have this label, it means that we're going to be less reliable than another human being. When actually, everybody is as unreliable as everybody else. Yes, yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Anyway, with the basketball and um, mentoring and other things that um going on, I 
have been playing for um, a world basketball team in Bristol uh, for the last 10 years. Been, well, been right, invo- been, right. I've been involved in this basketball club for the last 10 years. Um, I played for them for six or seven of those years. Right. Um, the last three years. Um, and it was a junior team. So it went from six to... 18. Right. So it was, yeah, about two, three, four, four years ago, I stopped playing. And I got to 18. And I had to retire at 18. Which well, it's, it's, it's old. It's, it's, it's old. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 uh, yeah, I'm getting older. And probably why I'm in a wheelchair, because I'm <laughs> getting old. Um, but it, so I was thinking, what do I do now? I'm like, I want to carry on because yeah, the club's yeah. given me so much. I don't know what to do with my life if I was to stop after six years of yeah, doing something yeah. to then suddenly stop. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. So I did my... And I already had done my level one coaching course. Right. Which means I can be an assistant coach and stuff. So I went into coaching the team with the head coach at the time. Yeah. Now, I need to go back a little bit okay. when it first started uh, in about, yeah, it was about 2008. Uh, and the club was founded by an ex-Paralympian. All right. right. Um, called Jen Browning. She was American. She um, played f- for the US World Basketball Team, women's. Um, and then she came over here and... She got into coaching. This she was the assistant coach for the women's which, uh, GB Ridge basketball team. She lived in Portishead, Bristol, which is about forty-five minute drive from here. Okay. Um, and her and her husband started a Ridge basketball team um, because there was no. Junior Wilder basketball team right, right. in in Bristol at the time, um, and yeah, so it was thanks to her and her husband Mike that you know I am where I am today with the with the with the te- with right the doing it. Um, anyway, so our, under their management, we um, we went into a load of different leagues and matches and they coached us amazingly well. Right, right. And it was the first time that I actually saw a club, a a disability sports club being run by disabled people. Right. Because all the other clubs I went to they're run by well-meaning... Well-meaning, everybody people. Sure. Who, with the greatest respect... Not taken. Which didn't really know much about disability sports. No, no. Um, and they had to learn it. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. And like, I was like, okay. Um, so, and I think they were positive. They were, they were my... As soon as I met... Jen and I, as soon as I met the basketball team, 
I found new role models right, that right. I could look up to. Actually, yeah, that's a really good point because we don't see people with disabilities as, as as role models. No, we don't. We don't. We don't see them enough. Well, we do. Yeah. We, we no, we don't. We don't see them enough. We there are role models out there. Yeah, yeah. Aidy Zapatan, um, Dame Tanagay Thompson. Yeah, uh, yeah. David Weir, um, Hannah Cockroft, um, but. They only appear when the Paralympics is on. Of course, yeah. Or when the Invictus Games is on. Um, Alfie Hewitt, uh, Gordon Reed, the list goes on. The late, great Stephen Hawking. Sure. Um, and even now, talking about him, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, because they, um, they've had such a you know, just an impact. They've all had an impact on my life. And I've only met one of them. Right, right. And I'm still in touch with only one of them. Um, Aidy Dapsan. Um, and it's things like that. It's But yeah, you are right. We should see more people with disabilities on TV on a more regular basis. Um, when I was eight, I think. Yeah. There was a there was a a TV series, a children's TV series that was dedicated to wheelchair basketball. Now, who would have thought that? No, I, I, who would have thought that? I hadn't even registered a that. A wheelchair basketball, a, a children's yeah, yeah, yeah. TV series, twelve episodes, right? Just about wheelchair basketball, right? Now, how about that? Come yeah, well, that, that you know. I mean, obviously, it's died to death, and as as oh yeah, yeah, they, they... Uh, the, uh, like it was just it was a random idea that somebody had in the scene. So was it a drama or a documentary? It was a, it was a drama, right? It was, right. It, and I had Adi Dapten as the the coach of the wheelchair basketball team. It was about a wheelchair basketball team that was kind of in a city where it was quite a it was it was quite a beaten, uh, you know... Sort of downbeat, downbeat sort of area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Aidy Dapton was the coach and, like, all the kids with who were in wheelchairs, like, were kind of depressed about having a disability or... Right. They right. were at the age where they wanted to be fully independent. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody, without a disability, is obviously fully independent. Um... And yeah, I was it, and I used to get home from school every Thursday, four thirty, turn the TV <laughs> on, and I would watch it for Fantastic. a whole hour. Right, right. It was an hour's documentary, uh, sort of drama, drama thing. TV. Yeah, and I had a guy called David Proud who was, who also has spina bifida, right, in it, and he was amazing and. Um, I've also met him as well recently. Um, anyway, we, um, yeah, it was, it was, and it was uh, about the journey of a bridge basketball team starting and then get, going to Stoke Mandeville Stadium, which was at the time home of bridge basketball. Right. So being able to play at Stoke Mandeville Stadium was, was like, England playing at Wembley, Wembley yeah. or, you know, um, it 
is a massive deal. Um, and so for this team to then get to the point where they can play at State Medical mm, Stadium mm. Was a, would be amazing. Um, and yeah, it was... It's was a good, it was a really good document, uh, drama. Yeah, and yeah. Then, yeah, so that was the first time I've ever saw... Gosh. ...mainstream TV. Yeah, that, and, and, and focusing on the issues around... Disability. Yeah. Now, this is... I, I recently did a... Um, post on Facebook um, about media. Yeah. Um, it, it was a few couple of months ago that I did a video on media and disability and I said, look, what's going on here? What, right, what right. is going on here? Because for me, media and disability are going further and further apart because you go to a point in the early 2000s where you would have a doctor where you'd have a drama yeah, on yeah. disability issues. And now you hardly ever see anybody with a disability. And occasionally, like after, so after that programme, after that series, it, you saw occasionally actors with disabilities. Yeah. It wasn't until um, 2010, 2011, where you saw David Proud come back because David Proud was in that, this um, drama. Um, you, he then came back and actually appeared on EastEnders right, for right. a few episodes, for a few series, uh, which was, again, amazing. And I, you know, started to watch EastEnders. Yeah. Be- because, because, the, because there was a guy in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Who, and it wasn't just an extra. He wasn't just... It was just part, he was a main part actor. Of the cast, yeah. He was a main actor. Yeah, and yeah. it was... And it was actually really... Positive. I was yeah, thinking, yeah. Flip. So they weren't making they weren't making it into sort of bells and whistles. It was just somebody living their life. As a human being. Yeah, as a human being. Um, and so then we. So I then about a couple of years ago, I think it was just before I met you, um, I interviewed him, the uh, David Proud. Right. I I spent an hour and a bit with him, just talking about his acting career and. You know how he got some of the you know some of the things that went on whilst filming yeah, both yeah. EastEnders and this real to basketball do- uh, drama uh, Desperado, and I was like, "You're just like any other actor." Yeah, yeah. There's nothing special about you, and that's where it comes back to the superhumans bit. Yeah, like. Obviously, what David Proud is doing is amazing, and obviously I have a huge amount of respect, and I think he's an amazing guy, and I do look up to him. He is one yeah, of my role yeah. models. However, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's a superhuman. No, no. Or like, nor would I say a Daftan is a superhuman. Yeah. He's just a guy in a wheelchair, that plays world basketball, that goes around travelling around the world presenting documentaries. Right. You know, it's 
for me, the superhumans are people who fight with the country. Okay. Yeah. People so. who fight who, with who are truly exceptional. Yeah. yeah. Like they they're the ones who are inspirational okay. because they go they've fought for our country. They've yeah. they've protected us and therefore our gratitude should be towards them. Okay. I've done nothing. I've not done anything, you know, that... Well, you're, you're running a basketball team, and I imagine that that, that has but, an impact on the people uh, that you teach basketball. Yeah, but you can say that about any other co- coach. Yeah, 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 that's you true. Can, you can yeah. say that about any coach. Uh, what I'm, my point is, is not to do with my disab- disability. Yeah, yeah. What I do shouldn't be determined... Okay, if I'm in, in if I'm an inspiration, yeah, I'm not. I don't care about not being or not being an inspiration. It's the way it's talked about means if you're an inspiration, it's because you've got a disability. Yeah, so it's bestowed so, upon you for no reason at all. Exactly, and saying. so what I want is if I am going to be called an inspiration, yeah, I want it to be. Because of things that I've done, yeah. Not because of because of the things I've done, because of my disability, but because it's because of the things I've done. Yeah. I don't want to have my disability involved in that. Sure. So one of the questions I just wanted to ask, just like, I, I know, uh, I, I'm guessing that the the trials and tribulations you have running a basketball team would be the same as running any. Sports team. Yeah, it is. It's um, obviously running any sports team is difficult at times. You've got a committee that you need to please. You've oh gosh, got yeah, committees. They're an interesting bunch. Yeah, yeah. I've got a good. I've got a great committee. Brilliant, brilliant. Got a great committee. Um, some of them are ex players. Some of them are parents. All right. And I couldn't ask for a better committee, um, and and I'm not definitely not saying that because I know they're going to be listening to this, <laughs> but I'm saying it because it's true. Yeah, um, cool, cool. But yeah, um, I think the challenges that um, that the club's having at the moment, and the challenges that say, Bath Rugby team yeah. have, some of them are the same. It's getting people, players, it's getting players to come every training session, making sure they're not injured, making sure that they're fit and well to play in matches. That's the exact, that, that goes for every single team. Yeah, yeah. The challenge... There are obviously extra challenges for us. For example, if um, for some of our players um, that they get a lot of pain. Right, right. They're in a lot of pain. So if they wake up one morning and they're in so much pain that they can't come to training, right, that does affect us because I've got to now think of how I can change the training session to be able to fit the number of players that do come. Right, right. 
um, also funding. Now, if you... Um, if we go back to the 2012 Paralympics, yeah. David Cameron, the then Prime Minister, um, said that the legacy of the Olympics and Paralympics need to stay on. Right. The, the, um, the slogan for the 2012 Paralympics and Olymp- Olympics and Paralympics was um, to truly inspire the next generation right. of athletes. Now, I totally agree with that slogan. Yeah. That the next generation, without having sports on TV, like the Paralympics and the Olympics, we're not going to inspire the next generation because people... So when you are, okay, so a good example of this is when you go into schools and then you talk to the kids, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, yeah. I want to be a footballer. Why is that? Because because they've seen Rain Rooney or they've yeah, seen David yeah. Beckham or, yeah. actually no, they probably wouldn't have seen David Beckham because he's... He's 100 years old. He's 100 years old. He's probably <laughs> retired before. Yeah. He retired before anybody, any of those kids were born. Yeah. Um, but no, I, but they've, you know, they've seen... Messi, they've seen Ronaldo, they've seen all these players on TV. Now, when you go to, when you talk to any disabled people, um, and kids in schools, they go, I don't know. They don't know who's playing wheelchair basketball. I mean, the, the thing, the thing was with the Paralympics, people love, it's, it's a great spectator sport, basketball, and and rugby, you know, for two exam- examples, wheelchair basketball and rugby. They're, they're, it's, not they're great wheelchair, to watch. it's not called wheelchair rugby. Is it just called? Murderable. Nice, yes. I think there's a reason for that. Because oh. you need a. Well, you you turn your wheelchair into a tank, don't you? It's, it's a yeah. sort of. It's, it's a big, solid lump yeah. of metal. Um, and there are occasions when. Um, People have died from the sport. Died. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. That's that. That's super. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's positive. It's a positive sport. Um, yeah. Um, no. Actually, think, just 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 yeah. on that very very point. Um, yeah. You know, after being a social worker for a billion years, one of the things that that we were constantly told to avoid for our punters was mm. risk. That that. It, suddenly, if yeah. you have a disability or a mental health problem, you you suddenly no, no longer have a right to to have risk in your life. Yeah, no, it's true. It is true. I think. Um, no, it is one hundred percent true because who'd want risk in their life? Um, I think there's. Um, Life can be very challenging for yeah. anybody. If you have a disability, it can be even more challenging yeah. for many, many reasons. Um, and so when you... And again, this is nothing against social workers because hey, they, hey, hey, they do an amazing job. However... Yeah. 
the forms that they have to fill in these days are so negative and yeah they're about deficit rather they, than what you're able to do exactly and the, the issue I had when I had a social when I talked to my social worker yeah. whoever the social worker is because I get one I get a new one every year um, but when we do forms so when I wanted to move out when I want to move out of the house we have yeah. to do this form about you know what life is going to be like when I'm, once I moved out Now, on the form, it doesn't say, what can you do? Yeah. It only says, what <clears throat> can't you do? Yeah, yeah. Um, what are the challenges you have? Yeah. Now, I hate that because, as you can see, we're not, I mean, we're not my bedroom and I've got my bed here, which I can get into. I've got my desk with a kettle with yeah, yeah. coffee, tea. So I've got everything. I've got everything. My what I want. I've got my bathroom over there. Yeah, I've got yeah. clothes rack. So I can do most things. I'm yeah. learning to drive, um, and so I can. I'm pretty much. So dependent. so talking about it from a complete deficit point of view is is in itself disabling. I'm guessing. Yeah. So meaning. When you go on the housing list, you've got three categories. Right. A, category A is when you, you have to move out the same day. Right. Category B is where it's urgent, but, you know, you, you can leave it a couple of weeks, month, mm-hmm. a couple of months. And C is when, category C is when you, it's not urgent at all, and you can leave it for a couple of years. I'm in category C. Yeah. Because I've got bedroom downstairs um, I've got my mum and dad living with me so they can cook me yeah, meals yeah. I can access the bathroom I can make myself a coffee I can I can catch the bus yeah yeah it's it, so it is disabling that's why I say that's why I keep saying it's society yes it's the government it's the structure of the UK that is disabling me rather than spider bifida. Mm, mm. The wheelchair doesn't disable me. It's yes. society's idea on it's society's way of living that disables me. Okay. Because I'm just going to yeah, uh, no. ask you to stop there because uh, okay. the, the way the, the podcast is set up, I can only uh, record ah. an, an hour at a time. So I'm going to wind this up just now, and then I'm. Yep. So that's that's, uh, yeah, that's Simeon Part One, and I'm going to go into. Uh, Sorry, I'm talking too much. You certainly aren't. So you know, it, I think it's really important that we're we're getting that that story out there. So, so yeah, I'll I'll stop this, and then I'll. Uh, yeah, that's fine. We'll go into the next part. <clears throat> okay, this is Simeon Part Two. Uh, so we've been talking about uh, Simeon Wakeley. Am I pronouncing your name? Weekly? Yeah, Weekly, Weekly, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, And uh, we're talking about uh, his life, and uh, I'm going to stop waffling. So we were were, were talking about how society is disabling, 
and that yeah. you know, the, the, so the disability isn't yours; it's society's. Well, I think yeah, yeah. It's just I would say one quick thing about um, the Grand Tour, and I can't believe I'm introducing uh, the Grand Tour into this um, conversation, but. Richard Hammond um, had to be in a wheelchair for um, a couple of months um, due to an injury that he oh, had. Oh, right, right. Um, I didn't realise. And he, I think he crashed a car or something. And he he's, was, he's very good at being in crashes. He's, he is, yeah, he is. He's yeah. amazing at it. Um, but the funny thing was that the car was not meant to crash because it was, it was built in a way where it wasn't able to crash, or it wasn't able to do, it wasn't able to do the thing that Richard Hammond actually did. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was oversteer or something, and so he managed it. He managed to do it. I must be so um, proud. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So he, was, he had to go into he had to get a Swiss Army knee. Um, which is like a metal plate yeah, and knee yeah. and stuff. Um, so we had to go in a wheelchair. And yes, he was only in a wheelchair for two months. Um, but he realised, actually, it wasn't the wheelchair that disabled him. That was the problem. It yeah. was... the, the, the small, Being in a wheelchair was only a small problem. Yeah, yeah. It was actually... The number of steps that there are, the, the lack of ramps, the lack of lifts yeah, in buildings, yeah. and the idea that we have to concentrate on the architecture yes. rather than accessibility. The number of buildings in the UK that are listed because the councils want to keep the buildings looking Beautiful and nice. Yeah, and not accessible. And not accessible is... Yeah. It, it, it confused him. So he said in one of the Grand Tour episodes, <clears> I can't remember, <throat> I think it was in the, the second series, um, in fact, it was a second series, but I can't remember what episode, he said, society thinks they know what's best for disabled people, but and they do all these things but they're missing a point mm. they're not actually asking the disabled person no, what no. they want <clears throat> and if you think about it if I was to if I was to um, start a charity for yeah, yeah. people with mental health um and I started a charity, and I didn't have mental health issues. If I did that, and I didn't... Okay, yes. Uh, we were rudely interrupted by an alarm. An alarm, uh, that's fine. Okay. Um, but if... My point was... If I was to start a charity about mental health issues, but I didn't talk to anybody with mental health issues or illnesses, and I did all these campaigns, and I made all these changes. The chances are those changes that I made that yeah. I make would not help people with mental health. It would be your all. opinion of It'd be what? my opinion. Yeah, and the exact same thing as what 
is happening in today's society is people, able-bodied people are making, or people without disabilities are making these decisions about life with a disability, yeah, uh, yeah. about making these decisions for people with disabilities, and yet they're not even talking to people with disabilities about, about these things. They um, talk to specialists. Yeah. Who... Who aren't specialists, who, people, who, people who are professionals. Professionals, yeah. because professionals are better than talking to actual people who are going to use yeah, the services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because professionals have studied these, these disabilities. Um, yeah, what would you rather talk to somebody who is a professional or somebody who has actually lived with a disability? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you, 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 you certainly get a... A real view of, of, of the situation when, when somebody lives lives that life twenty four hours a day. You can make better. You can make better changes. I think so. Um, but no, I I think I, I don't know. I think it's just one of those things that um, thing thing is everything that we're talking about. Everything that you know we've talked about on the phone. It's common sense. Yeah, none of this is rocket science, is it? But. For some reason, us Brits don't like common sense. We prefer rocket science. Yeah, yeah. We don't like the easy route. We don't like to make it easy for ourselves. Well, do you know... I, I Would think, you disagree? I think, no, no, I, I do, I do uh, agree, but I think we, we're fearful. Um, we, In what sense? People, for example, for example... Um, I have borderline personality disorder as we've... Well, I have a label of borderline personality yeah. disorder. I could talk for hours about how it's not a useful label, but, but yeah. I have a severe and enduring mental health problem. Uh, <clears throat> and while I've been on the internet, while I've been speaking to people, people are afraid of talking to people with mental health problems in case they, they do or say the wrong thing. And yeah. that they, they cause more more trouble for, for that person. And if they cause more trouble for that person, then they're causing more trouble for themselves. I mean, there was, a, there was an example just recently of a, of a guy who I was uh, having a bit of a chat with on uh, Twitter, and he was a, a level one football coach. And he, we were talking about how it might be benef- beneficial for him to know for mental ill health to be brought into that training so that people know a little bit more about it and and you know in a first aid sort of way not in a not in a this is what you do you're now yeah. a counselor yeah uh, and he he was saying well what happens if somebody dies um you know that, that then that might be my fault i might be sued i might end up in jail mm. and that kind of deteriorated pretty quickly and i just thought if that's the way people are thinking Mm. They're they're ter- terrifying yeah. themselves into a into a corner. Um, it sounds like we've got a long way to go to sort of move on from that. Yeah, I totally agree. I I think we have got a long way to go. Um, thing is, we could sit here for hours talking about the changes that. People, the society, the government can make. Chances are, it's yeah. But I, I suppose, I mean, what 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 are the basics? Um, you know, 
What, what, what things... I mean, we, we talk about the bus with a smile on our face regularly. And we do, yeah. So it's... it's and I can't be longing back to this, but if we go even further back to before the Grand Tour, when we had Top Gear... Yeah. Um, there was a... Obviously, um, there's the... Um, segment of the show where they have interview with another celebrity who then goes on the track. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Jamie Clarkson uh, interviewed Will I Am, um, and he was talking about his story about how he became a musician and stuff. And it was more, and he said something quite interesting. He was saying, "I got, I wanted to help my family who were in a, quite a poor." area of America and it you know in his uh he wanted to help his community. Yeah, yeah. So he and but people were pointing fingers at other people, saying, It's your responsibility and everybody was doing that and yet no one was actually thinking or pointing their finger at themselves and saying, Hang on what do I, what can I do about it? Yeah, yeah. And I think that really kind of, it kind of hurt me. Because right, right. I was thinking, hang on, everybody is pointing fingers at the government, at big businesses and stuff, and yet people aren't actually going about it and actually making change themselves. themselves. And I was thinking... It, uh, is that a challenge, though? In what's it, like... So, you know, if, if, you, if you want to change the world, um, we're, we're, we're already talking about the things that, you know, we, we, have a, we live in a disabling society. Uh... Is there, are there things in place that make you change the world more difficult, safe than me changing the world? Or somebody who doesn't have any of these shenanigans going on changing the world? I think <clears throat> if you're able-bodied, it's easier to get the media's attention. Yeah. Um, the media, as we've sorely said don't necessarily talk about disability issues enough. They talk about, and I'm not saying they talk about it enough, but they do talk about it. Yeah. But they talk about mental health more than they do about disability. Yep. And yep. I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying that they don't, that they're talking about it enough. I'd agree. They're not, agree. They're not talking about it enough yeah. at all. I, I want them to talk about it more often. I wish, I wish, that there were more documentaries about mental health issues, about the different types of, you know, mental health problems. Um, because before I met you, I didn't know anything about borderline personality no, disorder. No, no. Uh, because there's been no documentaries about it, and I wish there were more of that. However, when it comes to disability, apart from the Invictus Games, apart from the Paralympics, apart from the occasional appearance of 
Van Gardner, the BBC correspondent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see anything about disability issues on TV. Um, so being able to make a change, make, to be able to do something that, to be able to do something and make a change in society and getting the media to actually report about it, yeah. it's hopeless at this stage. It's hard. It's, it's difficult. So my, my question is, how can we present the topic? Because at the moment, because in 2001, there was that big protest with disabled people. Right. Um, and where disabled people were handcuffing themselves uh, because of benefits. Yeah, yeah. It's always to do with benefits, but, you know, it's, that's another story. Um, and the media loved it. It was a field day for them because... Yeah. They were, they were able to prove their stereotype correct, which was correct, because their stereotype was disabled people, all they cared about was benefits. Benefits. And, and that fitted and in with the, 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 the protest was the rhetoric. Because the protest was to do with benefits and because there were disabled people who were, they were on purposely falling out of their wheelchairs, crawling on, in Parliament, they were handcuffing themselves to um, railings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. This was a field day for me. Yeah, yeah. Because it was people. It was, they were because, people with disabilities being disabled, being disabled, and they were proving the media's stereotype. And and I think that's one of the things we we've we've spoken up bef- before mm. is that if if benefits is the only issue for people with disabilities or if that's the only issue that we're, we're, we're manage, managing to raise for people with disabilities, mm-hmm. we're really doing you all a really massive disservice. Yeah, 100%. And I'm going to probably be hated for this mm. because I shouldn't, I shouldn't say this, but it is true. Because, and I said, I'll tell you why I'm going to be hated for this, because what the government is doing Cutting benefits is wrong. I totally agree with that. Yeah. That's not always been my view, and we've had our, and both <clears throat> you and me have had long and quite heated discussions about that. We have, it's true. But it's not always been my view, and there was a point where I was thinking, actually, and I've, actually, you know, it's probably a good thing that benefits have been cut. It's not my view anymore. However, my reasoning for having these thoughts was maybe if we, you know, if we don't talk about benefits, we it means that we can talk about other issues. Yeah, yeah. Like access, like getting more disabled people into jobs. Maybe it will encourage people with disabilities, like myself, who have, a di- who have a physical disability, who are able to work, yeah, maybe yeah. it will raise the profile of how difficult it is to have a job, to have, find work, to be able to get a, get a job and to be able to earn a living. Because at the end of the day, 
That's all I care about. It's it's interesting because we're told that we have anti-discriminatory laws that say um, you can't employ one person over another if it's purely about disability and that um, you must make reasonable adjustments in Mm. the workplace. However, I know if I put on my application form that I have a mental health problem, then they will find another reason not to employ me. And they won't say it's because of my mental health problem. They'll say it's because of something entirely different that the person they're employing has a certain amount of experience in something. Yeah. And so we're, we're, we're missing the whole disability thing altogether. That... No, it's true. <clears throat> and I think because they're not saying it's to do with your mental health, or it's not to do with disability, it's not to do with this, it means we can't take them to court. Yeah, yeah. And we've... it means that we've got no evidence to be able to sue them. And that's how they get away with it. Because the, the, the evidence that they have is lost in, in the mists of confidentiality. You know, you, don't, you can't find out about the person who got the job because, no. you know, that's, that's their personal data. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I, for me, personally, I... I find it difficult to, I don't know, I find it difficult to kind of accept that I'm quite a cynical person now because I've grown up knowing that maybe people are being, uh, they're saying all the right things, but their tone of voice or their body language is completely different. The tilt of the head. The tilt of the head. The well-meaning tilt of the head. The pat on the head. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's not good. Good boy, well done. All of that. How old are you? 22. 22. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's quite young to be cynical, but I think I was quite cynical by the time I was 14, so uh, I'll take it all back. (laughs) (laughs) But being a disabled person, being, you know, being in the situation I'm in, you learn the, that, Words are just half of what people mean. Yeah, yeah. They there's that famous expression: "Sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt me." Yeah. And for me, it's it's actually the names aren't the problem because the names. Ah, uh, the half of it. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it the, it's the, the silent stuff. It's the stuff that's not said. I guess it is. It's the way it's said. It's the it's the body language. It's the attitude. It's it's everything apart from the it's part, apart from the words. Mm. The words can sound friendly. They can sound in you know they can sound. Passionate, they can sound you know, enabling, even yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's yeah, it's the silent things that are the truth behind the behind the words. Um, I think also going back to the point with the benefits and the media for us to make a change. Actually, no. Media love 
gossip. They love negative. Yeah, news. yeah. The fact that there were amazing things going on in the, going on in the world, like the Invictus Games. That's not going to be interesting for them because that's not going to get them readers. As as a society, we're told that we love gossip. We love seeing arguments on TV. We love seeing families fall apart on yeah. the Jamie Carl show. Yeah, we're yeah. told that we enjoy that sort of thing. And because we're told that, we have to do that. Now the media has, adver- the media have somehow advertised all of this to make us believe that we actually enjoy that. And actually, well, the more we watch, the more we think that's all that's available. That's exactly. It. So yeah, and because we. Ha- because we're in that circle at the moment, yeah. and I say at the moment because it is definitely going to change, because um, it has to change, um, because we're in that circle at the moment where we believe, where the media says, this is all you're watching, that's all we can have. Yeah, yeah. That's all that's out there for us. And actually, in fact, there are so many positive things that that that's out there that the media aren't showing. Are you, I, aren't even considering. No, and the thing is, and this is my point. Low. Everybody I talk to say the world is a negative place. Right. That everything is negative at the moment. That. The world is ending, we've got Brexit happening, all these negative things are happening. And yet, still, we're in the same circle. Yeah, we're yeah. still going around in the same cycle where we watch negative things on TV, we watch all these gossip, we read magazines where we compare ourselves to whatever... And, and nothing changes. And nothing changes. And yet we still complain about the world being in a, a negative place. Right, and we're part of it. Yeah, we are. And the thing is, uh, we can complain about, you know, the world being in a negative place and, until the day we die, but unless we do something about it, unless we, you know, say, right, that's it, we... we Nothing's going to change. There, there was a there was a, a phrase that was uh, attributed to um, uh, Gandhi, and oh. turns out it, it was his publicist who came up with it. But it was it's pretty good. Yeah. Is be be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, well, I quite I quite like that, and and yeah, it's, it, it can be very difficult, sort of, but yeah. it's, but it's a reasonable place to start. I think it is, uh, and I think like I don't know much like about. Gandhi, um, I, I, I should do more research on him, but I think him and his public, publishers, publicist was right. I think we do need, we do need to kind of just wake up. We're in a, we're in a 
dream where nothing is our fault. Yeah. But everything is other people's fault. I think I think you can start. That's that's a place where you can start. You can start looking at the world and go, hold on. You know, it's 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 like we don't have access to to things. Um, uh, but that's a, a start point. Um, I don't know. It's 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 difficult because I think we're we're almost taught to fear. You know, yeah. the benefit system is 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 punitive and fearful. You know, mm. so if you don't jump through the correct hoops, then you're not going to get the money that you're entitled to. Yeah. Um, there's the fear that if you apply to work, then you you might get a job. But but what happens if that job then isn't suitable for you? Well, then you then get back onto the benefits thing where with universal credit, you, people aren't getting any money for 10 weeks. The worst I've heard is somebody not getting any money for three years. And, and you think this is, this is absolutely crazy. So, so the, the safety net isn't there. So we're, we're being forced into a sort of fearful situation where yeah. we are more disabled but you're right you know we we've got a responsibility to to do stuff if the government if the government isn't going to do anything we have to yeah yeah Uh, but i don't think marching into parliament handcuffing ourselves is the right way to go because we and we should learn from those mistakes because we, I, we now know doing that means the media are going to have a field day. Well, it just galvanises the media's image of, like you say, mm. um, of a, we're, we're benefit greedy <laughs> idiots, you know. But it's, and to be honest, I think I've said this before to you on, on the phone, I think. Because the me because that's the media's idea of disabled people, yeah. it's become society's idea of people. That society presumes that we're just greedy, benefit taking, wanting something for nothing. Yeah, yeah. And because the media say that that's who we are, it becomes the truth. It becomes the truth. Yeah, it was. Um... So Winston fact, Churchill, who says that the uh, a lie gets r- halfway around the world before the truth has even had the chance to put his trousers on, and it's it's right. I think that's pretty good. It, 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 it's 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 that's the truth. It is it is what it is. And, yeah. So um, we, were, we were talking uh, earlier. Uh, I heard you saying sticks and stones, mm. and uh, I remember something just recently that really slapped you hard in the face was. Uh, a conversation you were having with um, some politician and you mm. challenged them about uh, disability hate crime. Do you yeah. want to say a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's... The... My dream has always been to meet whoever it is. It's to be able to sit down and talk to the Minister of Disability, whoever it is. Now, I got the privilege to... I was, at an, I was at an event, so there's an event 
an amazing event called um, NADEX, which is a disability conference showroom that happens every year at <coughs> Birmingham NEC. Right. Um, and it's basically all the companies that help people with disabilities come together and show off their products and their services. So all the wheelchair companies are there, all the charities are there. And this year they had, because of their anniversary, I think it was 30 years, um, I think, um, they had guest speakers. So they had yeah, influential yeah. people who were <clears throat> business, um, people who... Young people who've moved out their parents' home and who are living independently. And obviously the Conservative Party, they're so popular within the disability community. Of course, aren't yes. They? You know, yeah. it's the party that every disabled person votes for. Well, yeah, it's um, the uh, nasty so, party. Yeah, so they, decide, so they decided that why don't we get the Minister for Disability to come and do a talk? Right, right. And I thought... And I only was going up for one day. Yeah, yeah. And um, because my dad was... That was the only day my dad could do um, and take me up. So me and my dad went up. And it was... It so happened that... And, I promise you this was no this was not coincident okay. coincidental. I do promise you that. But it was the day that the Minister for Disability was going up to do a talk. Perfect. And I was thinking, okay, this is amazing. Yeah. So I went to go and hear her. And not surprisingly, the room was jam packed. With you. With no disabled. Oh, really? really? Actually, so it was actually, I actually properly jam packed? The room, okay. <clears throat> there were two reasons why I was jam packed. A, because there were probably loads of disabled people wanting yeah. to kind of get some answers. Right, grab her by the neck. Basically. And two, the room that this was. Have you ever been to the NEC? Yes, I have. It was about a billion it's, years ago. It's, it's massive. The biggest. Yeah. And so what they do, what the, the, at the event, what they've done is they've basically put um, gazebos up. Right. In, in the hall for the different... And when you do a tour uh, for, for the different charities and businesses, so you literally have, like, a very small space. Sure, sure. Now, for the talks, you'd think they would put, like, you in... Because they have like these big pop up, basically um, flat pack walls that yeah, they, so they could put, they set up rooms, set, set up rooms, and you think they'd set up a room that was big enough to be able to fit sure no. loads of people. I'm not joking. the The room that she had yeah was probably just twice the size of this room. So twice the size of your bedroom. I've got to say, uh, Simeon's bedroom is massive. No, it's not. It's, uh, it's uh, it, eight foot by 15. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to fit 100 people. Basically, basically the room was packed. 
And people were standing outside the door. Right, right. And there were queues trying to hear what, she, what she was saying. What she was saying. So I was, and I got there late because I was enjoying looking around the stores. Yeah, yeah. So I was not able to get actually near the door. Okay. Let alone inside the right, room. Right. So I was like, oh, okay. So I anyway. So I kind of just waited until everybody moved. Sure. And she was packing up, and I thought it wouldn't be. Right, if I didn't go and ask her the question that no one else is asking. Yeah. So I, being the cocky, cocky little person I am, I go up to her and I say, Hi, my name's Simon Wakeley. Um, I was just wondering if I could just ask a couple, a question or two. And she goes, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I asked her about disability hate crime because... Um, at the time, um, the latest statistics that came out, it was it was in twenty, it was the twenty seven, twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen statistics, um, and it was there were ten million disabled people in yeah. the UK, and five and a half thousand young uh, disabled people were victims of hate crime between 2016 and 2017. So that's five and a half thousand people, right? Which, compared to the 10 million, doesn't sound a lot, but... But it's still it's a lot of people. Still a lot of people, and it's the biggest growing increase of hate crime. And hate crime, and when I say hate crime, it's race, uh, sexuality, LGBTQ+, uh, disability... Um, so they're the main categories. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we started talking, I, I talked about disability crime, I said, well, the statistics show that, you know, disability crime is on the rise. Do you, can you explain to me what the government is doing? Well, hate crime is obviously growing because of, um, Brexit. So that was, that was her answer. Brexit is, is behind disability hate crime. And I was like, <clears throat> okay, I get that for, you know, race. I get that, you know, Brexit does cause, has caused more hate crime for people who are, are from other countries. Um, but that can't be the answer for disability hate crime. And she goes, well, you, well, basically, the answer is that due to Brexit, hate crime is on the rise. I'm like, yes, you've said that, but I'm from the UK. Yeah. I'm British. Are you saying that because of Brexit, disabled people are getting victims of hate crime. Yeah, yeah, that's clearly what she is saying. And she said, well, no, due to Brexit, hate crime is on the rise. And I couldn't get a clear... She was like a stuck record. I couldn't get a clear answer from her. Now... So, I mean, are we saying that Brexit has just given people the permission to hate? I was literally just about to say that exact same sentence. 
I'm a really <laughs> shit interviewer, aren't I? <laughs> you, no, you can read my mind. It's <laughs> scary. But no, it was literally that. Because of Brexit. Yeah. I think this is maybe where she was coming from. That it's given society the chance, the permission yeah. to hate yeah. other people. It's given permission to be able to go and be violent. It's, got, it's given permission to be able to go and just be violent towards people. Yeah. If you don't share the same views as somebody else, it's given you permission to go and Attack them. Attack them. Yeah. And we've also obviously got that tragic, tragic incident with Joe Cox. Yes. Where she was murdered. Yeah. Because she was a Remain supporter. And I was like, no wonder there's, no wonder, um, there's no free speech in the in this world. Oh, anymore. it feels like it because when when because because we because when we do we get murdered or we get attacked. Or we're we putting get, ourselves at risk. We're putting ourselves at the biggest risk. Yeah. So no wonder, you know, there's no free speech. Free speech. Because if we do. If we do stick up for our views, bad things may happen. Everything's gonna, yeah. You know, you were um, you talked to me previously about uh, a couple of incidents of hate crime that you experienced yourself. Yeah, I have. I've. It's. Um, yeah, I have. Uh, one of them was uh, reported to the police, but see. Due to CCTV, it kind of never kind of went anywhere. Um, so, so what happened? Basically, I was in Southgate, which is the centre of Bath, and somebody... Okay, so earlier we talked about comments that I've already yes. always had. Another situation that usually happens when I go into... Bristol or into Bath or anywhere is people want to shake my hand and say I just want to shake your hand because you're very brave or you're very bloody hell and there was this one guy who uh, wanted to do that and I was like okay and usually when that happens it's usually shake hand hi god bless you and then on you go on you go but this guy didn't want that shook my hand pulled me right. along fortunately I stayed in my wheelchair pulled me along and it was a bit of a weird situation because that day I just got off the bus I was meant to be meeting um, a colleague of mine um, at the time um, and it and this guy, and I was just going up to the cafe, literally 100 metres from the cafe, and this guy comes and shakes my hand. 
pulls me along, and I and so I had to I'll get out of my wheelchair, kind of stop myself. Yeah. And then this girl, I would say, early twenties, with a with a very nice camera. Right. Turned round and actually took photograph of us. But while he was while sort he was of throwing you around, throwing me around. Now it turns out that that was a a student at the at the college and had nothing to do with the incident, and it was just because he was smiling, and said, "Come on, take a photograph of us." Gosh. Because he said that. She presumed it was okay to take a photograph. Yeah, yeah. She was doing she was doing some sort of photography project around Bath and society, I think. Um, and it turns out, you know, anyway. Yeah, it was all yeah. that so she was nothing to do with it. But at the time, because of the situation because the situation was going so fast. Yes. And I was confused. I thought she was in on it. Yeah, yeah, they there were a couple. Yeah, and I was thinking... So when I got into the cafe, because um, I went to, into the local bank um, because it was opposite, uh, they phoned for security, the security guards in Bath to come and escort me to the cafe. And as I got into the cafe, I thought, hang on, what if this was a mug? What if yeah, yeah. they were distracting somebody? Because I don't like for you or for rucksack going over the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. For me, I don't do that. I haven't run my okay, my, right back my chair. Yeah. Obviously, I can't feel when people. So you thought maybe somebody had stolen stolen stuff. So I went into a bag. Nothing was stolen. But that's quite a scary situation. Yeah, yeah. And and that feeling of. Vulnerability that somebody can it just was. grab hold of you and grab hold of me and hurl you about the place. About. Now, obviously, there was no evidence to be able to say it was a hate crime. Now, the second, you know, hate crime yeah. incident that I had was <clears throat> um, on the bus. And this is, we joke about, you know, how the bus is amazing yeah. and stuff, but this incident was. Um, quite scary one, and it happened on a day where I was already in a really, really bad mood. Right. Because my family had a, we had a, it was a family occasion. My whole family were actually in, it were were actually at my house, which is amazing because we hardly ever get that everybody, all my brothers and right, sisters together because right, right. they live, some live in. Different countries. Okay, so it's a rare occasion. It's rare, really rare. So for us to all be in the same house yeah, at yeah. the exact same time is quite amazing. Yeah. Quite important. Now, I had to have a doctor's appointment right. that day. Right. In fact, I had to have a very, very small operation okay. that day. So I thought... Yay, thanks. So instead of being around your family, around you, family you were I was in, at the doctor's. In the theatre. Okay. Um, having a minor operation. And so I caught the bus into Bath because I thought it would be unfair on my parents to sure. miss it as well because I'm a very kind son. And you I, are, you're the I, best. I, I, yeah. I, I, I care about what my parents think. 
It was definitely them. My parents definitely didn't say, you, you're catching the bus where you're <laughs> Um And so, yeah, so I caught the bus into Bath, absolutely fine. Then I caught the second bus to the hospital. Again, absolutely fine. Did the, did the minor operation. Um, absolutely fine. Okay. Caught the bus back into Bath. Um, nothing, no problems whatsoever. I had to wait what twenty minutes for the book for the next okay. bus back to, to my house. So I thought, okay, no worries, it's all good. Yep. You know, I can just rest here, relax in the okay. bus station because obviously after having a minor operation. So was this at Bath bus station? Bath bus station, yeah. yeah. Um, and got on the bus, usual routine. I knew, I know the driver because. I know most of the drivers. Yeah, uh, really spent friendly. All your life on the bus. Oh yeah, ninety percent yeah. of my time is on the bus. Um, and so yeah, so I was, you know, it was, it was, it was fine. It was all good. It was um, coming together. Now, on the bus, yeah, you have a designated space for a wheelchair, okay, or a buggy. Now. There were seats that fold up in in the space. Yep, yep, yeah, I know them. Um, but obviously, if you're sat there and a wheelchair or a buggy comes on, you you have to move. Yes, yes. Because there were other seats. Have we got how long have we got? Oh. Yep, we're good. Okay. So <clears throat> we said. So I said. And there were there were a couple that were sat on those foldable seats, so I so the bus driver politely asked for them to move. They wouldn't no. move, and I said, <clears throat> "That's where I need to sit, because I can't just jump out my wheelchair and sit wherever. That is a designated space. Look behind you on the window. You'll see." Yeah. A sign that specifically says, this is for wheelchair users yeah. only. Please allow them to sit here. They finally moved with a, and they were a little bit annoyed that they had to move. Right. Despite the fact that there were, what, eight empty seats yeah. in the whole of the yeah. bus. Um, so... You know, there was, it wasn't like there was a lack of seats. But you were saying they were really reluctant. They were very reluctant. Didn't you say that they, were, the, they wouldn't move for the no, bus driver? They didn't move for the bus driver. We had to get, we did have to get, you know, we had to get um, the station manager or whatever right. uh, to come and help move them. But they, Which is crazy, you know, just... It is uh, crazy. Um, yeah, it is crazy that you... you Thing, you'd have to get the manager to move when there were plenty of other seats in the yeah on the bus on the bus describe these people for me you know, give me give me uh, um they were mid 30s right, right late 30s uh they were definitely a couple they were um yeah they just when I when you when you stereotype stereotype people who are rude, you think, well, 
teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Um, tracksuits and, you know, yeah, not well yeah. off. These seem very professional Gosh, looking right. people who had good jobs. So not the way you'd imagine, no. not your stereotypical. No. And and that yeah. another thing, and that's where the expression right the expression, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, yeah. Works amazingly well because actually your your stereotype thing, everybody and actually chances are they're not who you think. Yes, they're. right, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, so I so anyway, they were getting they got off a couple of stops before me. And obviously they came past me and um to get off the bus and the guy just um kneels down to and looks as if they he's tying up his shoe and Yeah, that. yeah. Um, because, and he turns to me and he, yeah, he doesn't, he's not polite. He wasn't polite. He so he, he calls called me, you. He calls me a name. Uh, which, uh, see you next Tuesday. Yeah, see you yeah. next Tuesday. And I was like, okay, um, I'd expect that from, I actually, I was going to say I would expect that from a teenager. But even then, but I you wouldn't. Expect, no. Um, in fact, I don't. I don't actually. I can't say I'd expect that from anybody, because any half decent human being would. Yeah. Would not dare to say that to anybody, let alone a disabled person. Um, so I took me. It took me back a little bit. Um, there were other people, passengers who heard it. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, but because of, and if it wasn't for those passengers, it wouldn't be able to go anywhere because um, obviously there's CCTV footage, but there's CCTV footage of him tying his shoes. Right, so it's, it's yeah. evidence of nothing. Evidence of nothing because he, because he didn't attack me. Yeah, yeah. He didn't and they don't have audio. And they don't have audio. Yeah. There's no way of proving that he did sure. anything. Now, those people on the bus could be my friends, so they could be yeah. sticking up for me. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing. And now, I'm not saying that now every single CCTV camera on the bus should have microphones, because that would be that would be proving the point that the government listens to <laughs> yeah. every single conversation that we have. Yes, yes. Um, which is 100% not true. <laughs> um, maybe. Um, but it's just... I think... I don't know. I'm just... That took me by surprise, so I went home really, really pissed off, really angry. And I just... And I don't. I never do this because, and you're gonna probably hate me for doing this, but, but saying this, but I never. I, I'm not ashamed of crying. No. I'm not ashamed of breaking down in tears. I've done that many times, but doing it in front of my family, or in front of my nephews and nieces who are, um, six and seven. Yeah, you. I, is it a side of yourself you didn't want to show? I didn't want to show that. 
But for the first time, I did. Yeah. Because I really got a... And it really affected me. And I think it was the same day or the day after that I talked to you about it. In fact, I think it was... I was so angry and upset. I think I called you. Yeah. I think you were one of the first people I talked to after my parents. Um, And I was like... Yeah, yeah. Is this where society is going? That we now have the permission to be able to call people names (coughs) just for wanting their space on a bus. Yeah. It's nuts. I'm just like, yeah. Anyway, so I and like the thing is, if we concentrate on that, and if we concentrate on the negative things, what I have found is, if I concentrate on the negative things, and this is what my ma- my line manager said to me, and my you know my or my friends, is as soon as I as soon as I concentrate on the negative things, I get very depressed. Right. So and I say, what's the point of life? Blah, right, blah, blah. so Because that was the next question I was going to say, you know, is, is uh, how, how does uh, having a disability impact on your mental health? Um, it affects... Mental health is... It's not talked about enough at all, full stop. Mental health and disability. Oh, oh. oh too late. Yeah, disability <laughs> and mental health. Mental. Before I start, what? <laughs> uh, disability and mental health. Um, I think mental health, like I said, isn't talked about enough. Disability and mental health isn't talked about at all. Um, I'm doing a project for work at the moment. Um, what time is it? It's uh, 25 past. Right. Uh, you, when do you need to go? Ten minutes, okay. Um, the issue is this disability and mental health isn't talked about enough. Um, I'm doing a project, a research project into education and disability, uh, phys- people with physical disabilities. What I'm finding is that there's so much practical help for schools. But there is no mental health guidance for people with physical disabilities. For example, um, there's no mentoring scheme that I know of mm-hmm. that help people, students with young people with disabilities. Now, I'm mentoring a, somebody at the moment who, um, without going into any detail... Yeah. Um, I would say because this person is the only person in a wheelchair at the school, they don't get to interact with other people with disabilities. What I would say is if the government was to bring in funding to support more mentors um, with disabilities, then those kids who are in mainstream school with a physical disability they would be able to interact with 
other people sure. with disabilities and talk about their issues. So they wouldn't feel... I don't know, you, you feel out on your own, I guess. Yeah, you do, and that was the same for me when I was at school. Um, so, so it's funny because, when again, when I was a social worker, that we, we thought that this in- inclusivity was a great thing, that you know closing down the special schools was a great thing. But what we hadn't fully taken into account was the fact that schools weren't ready no. that, um, and, and people would feel isolated. And I'm not saying that every disabled person should go to me should go to a special needs school. No. A hundred percent not. I think there was a place for special needs schools, but I don't think it's for everybody. It was definitely, certainly not for me, because I don't have a learning disability. Yeah. I only have a physical physical disability, so I can do my GCSEs. I can. Sure. But I don't think schools are ready or have the right training yeah. or support to be able to help and support their students with yeah. disabilities. Um, my last point is that we have, as a society, need to forget about the labels because as soon as we introduce the labels... It affects everybody that is involved with that person with a physical disability or a mental health issue. Because, as you probably know, this the disability doesn't just the disability or mental health illness doesn't just affect that one person. No. It no. affects the family, it affects the friends, it affects... Yeah, yeah. Everybody involved. And my parents are just amazing because the amount of the stuff that I've put them through over the years is crazy, but I think it's because of the support, the lack of support. I mean. Right that we've had means that I've had to go through this stuff. Yeah, I bet you've, you've learned a lot from each other. Oh, we've learned, I've learned a lot and I think, I know I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna be able to go through it today, but um, there were a load of things that I could talk about and I will be talking about it at some point. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna probably do a video about it, about cool. the things that I've learned over the last year. Yeah, yeah. And the the stuff that I've been through financially, and the lessons that I've learned, and that the fact that I've had so much support from my parents, from my dad particularly, in this year, has been amazing. Yeah, yeah, and crazy. Yeah, but okay. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm it's, sure uh... it's 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 the support is amazing, but. There is a long way to go in society. Yeah. A long way. And okay. It's not going to happen overnight. Okay. Well, well shall we stop there? Yeah, and we I'll stop say there. thank you very much no, for, thank you. Thanks. for taking the time for, for talking to me. No, I really amazing. appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, I'll say goodbye just now. Goodbye. And uh, I'll speak to you next time. Yeah.
that's it from Walker Mile just now. A huge thank you to Simeon for his words of wisdom. Sorry about some of the lumpy editing. Remember, try, fail, fail better. Or perhaps just say, bugger this for a game of soldiers. Remember, you can contact me on 07535-035-909 or email me at hello at letswalkamile.org or follow me on Twitter at UK. And if you have the Anchor.fm app, you can leave audio messages that I can play in the next episode. On that very topic, next time I'll be speaking with Ben, who reflects on how an assault in his teens led to him developing post-traumatic stress disorder and how he continues to deal with it and some of his plans for the future. Till the next time, I've been Chris Young, and you've been rather fabulous. Walk a mile. (laughs) 